Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. Um, hey, so uh, I do. Uh, uh, I do have a confession that um, I, I need to make this morning, um, and it's uh, maybe a little surprising, maybe a little shocking, but um, I do feel like I need to be transparent, um, and that's. Uh, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes, and just be ready, sometimes uh, Christina and I, that's my wife, we, brace yourselves, uh, we argue. Okay, yeah, right. <laughs> I, I know, that's, yeah, like, how, how, you're our pastor? Um, and you, right, yeah, we do. And, and really, I, I think in over 20 years, what I've realized is the main reasons that we argue is just because Christina hasn't realized that I'm right uh, yet. And so that's the, okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to stop right now uh, because I've just disenfranchised half of this room. Um, but, uh, but seriously, we do, we do argue sometimes. And, and what, what doesn't bother me about uh, all of that is that we argue. Because you get two people in a room, just wait, it's going to happen, right? So I don't have a problem with the arguing per se. It's going to happen. The thing that really frustrates me the most um, is that sometimes when we fight... Um, and I'm done being mad, right? I'm, I'm ready to just be done being mad. And yet, right, I, I want to ask her for forgiveness. I want to forgive her. I want to hug her. I, I want, right, all of this stuff. And yet, I, I can't. I won't. I just, I just keep staying mad. Like, I can even tell me, like, dude, just go say you're sorry. And my body will not move, right? It's like, you know, no, we're going to stay here. We're going to, yeah, we're going to show her. But something, I don't know what it is, but sometimes just something inside me, it just strokes my ego and convinces me, do not, right, make things right. Like, just, just stay where you're at. I wonder, I wonder if you've ever experienced something like that in your life as well. Just me. Okay. All right. So, uh, yeah. But I, I think what, you know, instead of surrendering to humility, instead of surrendering to grace, instead of surrendering to forgiveness, I dig in my heels a little bit more. The battle continues, and it's so frustrating. And I've learned that sometimes I actually have to fight against myself, right, in, in the battle for reconciliation. What's interesting is it's not only true in my relationship with Christina, but it's also true sometimes in my relationship with the Lord. Uh, it's true sometimes in your relationship with the Lord. Sometimes you want to surrender to him, but you don't want to surrender to him. Sometimes you deeply want to worship him, and at the same time you don't want to worship him. Right? Sometimes you want to pray, you want to read the scripture, uh, sometimes you want to humble yourself, but also sometimes you don't want to do that. And and I think that, that that happens sometimes, but what is probably the most scary thing is that if, if my refusal lasts long enough, right, my refusal to surrender, my refusal to worship, my refusal to humble myself before the Lord, if that lasts long enough, uh, I may actually be putting myself in a very dangerous position. And the same is true for you too. That if I refuse submitting myself 
to the lordship of Jesus Christ long enough. That's a very dangerous position to put yourself in. And so today, what I want to uncover and unpack is to talk about what can happen when you refuse to surrender to God in your daily living and then where that can lead. And I also want to show you one decision that you and I can make today, literally right now, that has the potential to change all of that. So as Josh mentioned, uh, if you brought your Bible, go to Mark chapter 3, that's in the New Testament, or you can click over on your device. While you're going to Mark chapter 3, I do just want to take a moment, I want to welcome everybody here at Lighthouse Community, um, especially all of our guests. I want to welcome anybody from Bluffton and Fostoria and Living Hope and uh, all the people that are joining us at Lighthouse Online right now. Super glad that you're with us today. Um, We are in this series called Face to Face where we're looking at the lives of people who were close to Jesus and how they responded to him. And so today we're actually looking at the life of Judas. Judas Iscariot. And so um, my hope is that as we're looking at some of his shortcomings and failures, we're going to learn how to trust Jesus uh, just a little bit more in our own personal lives. And so uh, before we dive into this, I do want to take a moment. Let's just pray real quick, if you will, bow your heads wherever you're joining us from, uh, and let's take a moment to pray and prepare our own hearts and spirits. Father, we we simply want to take the moment to acknowledge that you are king. You are Lord over everything. You are the creator. Nothing would be in in existence except for you if it weren't for your creative ability and your desire to do so. And so we simply want to place ourselves under your leadership this morning. And we, we desperately want to hear from you and we want to hear from your voice as opposed to anything else. So Holy Spirit, we know that you have been in this place already. I'm simply asking, would you uh, help us to be increasingly aware of your voice, of your leadership, maybe even touching on areas of our life uh, where we have been resisting who you are and your leadership over us. We, uh, we love you. We want to hear from you, and we ask these things through Christ. Amen. Okay, so we're looking at Judas Iscariot, and I want to point out three things about his life very, very quickly. The first one is this, is that Judas witnessed Jesus' life. Judas witnessed Jesus' life. When, when you look at the Bible, uh, the very, one of the very first references that you come across in regards to Judas Iscariot is in Mark chapter 3, verse 19. And this is when uh, Jude, Jesus is choosing his 12 apostles. And so he's listing them by name. There's kind of some descriptions that Mark may give. And then Judas is the very last one who's mentioned in verse 19, and it says this, and Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. Right? Like almost every time you see Judas Iscariot talked about in the scriptures, there's always some tie to betrayal, um, to betrayed, right? And, and that's what Judas is best known for, right? Being a traitor. His name has been synonymous with backstabbing for thousands of years, right? Like that's what he is known for. But you have to understand, Judas didn't start out that way, right? Judas, that's not his beginning place. You have to realize, right here in this passage, Jesus chose Judas to be one of his 12 disciples and apostles. Judas was a witness to the teachings of Jesus. He was likely there when Jesus was teaching what we call the Sermon on the Mount, and he heard every word. Judas was likely there 
when Jesus fed the 5,000. In fact, Judas was probably one of the ones who was tearing off pieces of bread, right? Cracking the fish sticks in half and handing them out to people. He was there. He saw it. He experienced it. Judas, actually, he was even sent out by Jesus to preach the gospel and to heal people. If you look at Luke chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, it says this, and he, talking about Jesus, called the 12 together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. Judas was there. He's one of the 12, sharing the gospel, praying healing over the lives of people. I want you to think about that. Judas was chosen as by Jesus as one of his disciples. Judas was an eyewitness to the ministry of Jesus. Judas helped spread the gospel. In the upper room, Jesus washed Judas' feet. In the upper room, Judas shared the Lord's Supper with Jesus. But then at some point, right, the question has to be, what happened, right? Like what, what happened in Judas' life? Because Peter says, he says, right in Acts 1, he says, listen, Judas was one of us and he shared in our ministry. And so he's with them, but at some point there's a turn and there's a change. And that's the second thing that I want to draw your attention about Judas is that Judas betrayed Jesus. Judas betrayed Jesus. That at some point, for some reason, There was a turn, and Judas betrayed Jesus. And there's a lot of speculation from a lot of different people on why this is, right? Like, oh, well, Judas, you know, he's a part of this political group. He's trying to make things happen. And and Judas, um, you know, he was trying to force Jesus' hand to show his power. And Judas, you know, he was uh, was tired of waiting. And and so there's all of this speculation that gets thrown out when people teach on Judas. And quite frankly, the Bible doesn't talk about any of that. It's it's all it is. It's just speculation. It's people taking a guess and taking a stab. Do you want to know what the Bible says about why Judas betrayed Jesus? Well, if you look at uh, Luke chapter 22, we'll notice two things. First, he was influenced by Satan. Second, he chose to do it. That's what the Bible says. Look what it says. It says, then Satan entered into Judas called Iscariot, who was a number of the 12. Okay, no mistake on who we're talking about. He went away with the chief priests and officers how he might betray him to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. So he consented and sought an opportunity to betray him to them in the presence of a crowd. You see what's happening in that verse? Two things, very clear. Satan entered Judas and influenced him, and Judas willingly chose to seek out an opportunity when he could betray Jesus. Both are there. But there's another layer to Judas' betrayal that's even going to throw you for another loop. Because in John chapter 13, verse 18, Jesus quoted Psalm 41, verse 9, and he said, this has to be fulfilled. And what that verse says is this, even my close friend, someone I trusted One who shared my bread has turned against me. Jesus said that psalm has to be fulfilled. 
in talking about Judas. And then later in Acts chapter 1, after all of this has taken place, Jesus' resurrection, Peter says this in Acts 1, he says, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. Satan influenced Judas. Judas chose to betray, and it was God's will that this would happen. That's what the Bible says about Judas' betrayal, right? The Bible says that all three of those things are true and present in the betrayal of Jesus in Judas's life. And, and we're all probably, you're probably wondering the same question I'm wondering when I'm studying and getting ready for this morning, right? The question is, how can that be? How can it be that Satan can influence Judas, Judas can choose to do that, and it was God's will for that to be accomplished? How in the world can all three of those things be true at the same time? And here's my answer to you. I don't know. (laughs) I have no clue. I don't understand. I'm not going to try to do all the theological gymnastics to try to give you some nice little tightened up, buttoned up answer. All I can tell you is this, is that the Bible affirms all three things as true. And I believe what the Bible says. That's where I'm at. And can I tell you something? That's faith. That's faith. That, that at times, to, to not comprehend, to not fully understand, and to simply say it's true because the Bible affirms it to be true. And I'm going to trust that what Scripture says is right. And what's even more stark for me, even more, like, even more than I don't know how all three of those things work together, the bigger thing that actually jumps out to me is this, that it is totally possible for a person to be near Jesus. It is completely possible for a, per- a person to witness the miracles of Jesus. It is possible for somebody to hear the teachings of Jesus from his own mouth. It is possible to even serve alongside of Jesus, accomplishing the work of the kingdom, and still remain blind to the reality that Jesus is the Son of God. That blows my mind. I can't get my mind around that. And that's what led Judas to betray Jesus. And that leads us to the third truth about Judas, and it's this. Judas went his own way. Judas went his own way. Uh, Matthew describes the end of Judas's life this way. He says, then when Judas, his betrayer, see, every time Judas is talked about, they got this, they just, they don't want you to miss, right? None of the gospel writers want you to miss. His betrayer saw that Jesus was condemned. He changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed, and he went and hanged himself. Judas killed himself. Judas was very aware of his own sin, and he killed himself because of it. What Judas is trying to do is he is trying to solve his sin on his own. He's trying to make payment for this deep, deep betrayal that he recognizes. Later in Acts chapter 1, when the apostles replaced Judas, Peter said this, Judas turned aside to go to his own place. 
And what Peter's talking about is that Judas abandoned his place with the disciples and that Judas went his own way instead of Jesus' way. And that is the epitome of sin which leads to death. Judas chose his own way instead of submitting to the way of Jesus. And and what I find so interesting, if you were here last week, we talked about Peter, right? And you remember I told you that Peter, he, he betrayed his rabbi in one of the deepest ways possible that a disciple can betray his rabbi. And so here you have Judas, right? Put Peter and Judas side by side. Both of them betrayed Jesus. I want you to think about that. Both of them betrayed Jesus. So what's the difference? Peter received Christ's forgiveness. Peter received Christ's forgiveness while Judas tried to make payment on his own for his own sin. Right? And you can't do it and live to tell about it. Right? You either have to receive the gift of Christ or if you try to pay for your sin on your own, you'll never be able to live to tell about it. And so you have to see that the essence of sin is going your own way without God. And that's exactly what Judas did. Judas saw the same things as the other 11 disciples. But the critical difference is that last truth we talked about is that Judas chose to go his own way instead of surrendering to Jesus' way. And and I really do believe that that is the takeaway for you and I today, to think about, to meditate, to reflect on. It's this, surrender your way to Jesus' way. Surrender your way to Jesus' way. And and here's what I mean by surrender. I'm, I'm talking about voluntarily placing yourself under the authority and the leadership of Jesus Christ. That's what I'm talking about when we're talking about surrender. Voluntarily placing yourself under the leadership and the authority of Jesus Christ. Choose to submit your own plans to the plans of God. Because, by the way, that's exactly what Jesus did. I want you to think about that. That Jesus, the darling of heaven, right? He leaves all of his glory on the throne. He enters into our world as a man. He, He suffers with the confinements of flesh, right? He deals with all the things that we have to. He lives the perfect life that we were supposed to live, but we never did. He dies the death that you and I deserve to die, but we couldn't make that payment on our own. And his whole earthly life, he only, he spent his time only doing that which the father told him to do. He only said that which the Father told him to say. He spent his whole life under the leadership of the Father, that Jesus' mission was to bring glory to the Father in every way. I want you to think about this. When Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew chapter 6, one of the first phrases that he teaches us after our Father who's in heaven, your name is holy, he says this, your kingdom come, your One of the first ways to pray, right out of the gate, your will be done. But the night that Jesus is going to be betrayed, he's in the garden by himself. He's kneeling. He's so intensely uh, filled with stress and anxiety and emotion that his sweat is actually, his blood vessels are breaking in his forehead and he's sweating droplets of blood. And his prayer is, Father, if there's some way, if there's some other way for us to accomplish this mission without me having to go to the cross and be separated from you, let's do that. But not my will but your will be done. You have to see that surrender is the way of Christ. Surrender is the way 
of Christ. And, and if you're here this morning, if you're joining us online, and you're beginning to think about all of the implications that lie behind talking about surrender, voluntarily placing myself under the leadership and authority of Jesus Christ, and you're thinking about that, and it's making you nervous, good. That means you're realizing and you're understanding what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to be a Christ follower. And I would say this, if you're wondering, you're going, well, well, am I surrendered to Jesus or not? I would invite you to reflect on this question. Who makes the final decisions in your life? That'll tell you very quickly who surrendered to who, right? Surrender to God is the way of Christ. And, and maybe you're here and you're going, man, I'm, I'm just afraid to surrender. I'm afraid of what giving full control over to God might look like. I'm afraid of what, what he might have for me. I'm afraid of losing control over my own life. My question to you is this. What, what are you protecting that is so great that you don't think God could provide something even better? What do you think you're providing for yourself that God cannot provide that much more and that much greater in your life, right? So that's why I surrender your way to Jesus' way. And so just very quickly, let's talk about how do we do that? How do, how do I surrender my way to the way of Jesus, and I want to share one, what I would call like a realization or an understanding, and then very quickly two practices that may be helpful in that. The realization is this, that surrendering to Jesus is a daily practice, every day. In fact, sometimes moment by moment, right? That's how much that, you know, you have to surrender to Jesus in your life. Because too many people have gotten in their mind at some point to say, well, surrender to Jesus is like this one-time thing right? Like, I, yeah, I, I prayed that prayer in 1978, and I don't ever have to do that again, but I know I'm good, right? And, and you just, and then go on living your life, bebopping however you want to, but what you miss and what you don't realize is that surrender to Jesus is daily. It's moment by moment. I cannot express to you the number of times throughout my day that I just have to pause and go, wow, Fritz is in charge right now. Sometimes I have to apologize to you. Sometimes I have to apologize to others. Sometimes I have to help Christina understand that she's wrong and I'm right, right? Um, and <laughs> no, just kidding. Many times I'm apologizing to her. But I just have to pause and I have to surrender. And I have to confess. And I have to repent. And ask the Lord to transform my heart. Because I'd rather have what he has than what I have. And so you have to realize that surrendering to Jesus, it is day by day. It is moment by moment. So you have to start with that understanding. The, but one of the practices that I would throw out in front of you to help you surrender your way to Jesus, uh, one is the truth of Scripture, and the other one I'll put next to it is prayer. I'm going to walk through this very, very quickly. But the truth of Scripture and prayer. And what I mean by this, if by, with the truth of Scripture, is you, you actually have to read the Bible and then ask the Holy Spirit to help you obey what the Bible says, <laughs> right? Like that's, that's what surrender looks like, right? And, and so uh, let me give you a couple examples. So when you read a passage like Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, you, you'll come across and it says, hey, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything pray continually. 
And when you pray, you will receive the peace of God. And so what you do is you go, okay, Lord, how do I, how do I submit myself to the truth of the scripture? And so what happens is you go, you start feeling anxiety and you start feeling worry about something. And you remember, right, the Holy Spirit brings to your mind Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. You go, oh, don't be worried about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. But instead, pray about everything. So this thing that I'm worried about, I'm actually going to turn into a prayer request and I'm going, to pro- I'm going to trust the promise that I'm going to receive the peace of God. What's interesting about that uh, passage is when you follow it all the way to the end of verse 7, it says not only do you get the peace of God, but as you keep pursuing it, it Paul does a play on words. He goes, you actually get the God of peace in the process. right? And so it's like you read these scriptures, and so you believe them, and you trust them. Let me give you a really recent example, just this weekend. Friday night, Christine and I were studying through the scriptures, and we're looking at Psalm 34. And both of us, without really talking to each other in that moment about it, we both felt drawn to Psalm 34, uh, verse 19, which says that uh, the righteous person will have many troubles, but the Lord will deliver him from them all. And, and so we both like, okay, we want to we wanna memorize that passage, and, and we want to live by that passage. And so the next time a trouble comes our way, we are going to quote this verse, like we're put it back into our memory, and we're going to do what it says. We're going to reach out to the Lord. We're going to trust him instead. That was Friday night. Saturday morning, I'm like, I don't have anything to do today. I'm going to sleep in. You know, I was like so excited, and I did. And so I wake up, and I'm like, I look out the window, and there's like ponds all over our neighborhood. I'm like, oh, man, we got so much rain last night. So I go out, and I go to get something in the garage, and there's water in my garage, right? And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me, right? I like, so, so I'm figuring out all the stuff I need to do, throw the sump pump in, like do all this kind of, we're pumping water out, all this kind of stuff. I come in the kitchen, and I'm like, did you know that? You know, I'm like, going, I can't believe this is crazy. What's going on here? But then all of a sudden, like the Holy Spirit's like, yo, moron. <laughs> this is a trouble, <laughs> right? What did you say you wanted to do the next time a trouble came and found you? You said you were going to remember that verse, and you're going to pray to the Lord. So in the midst of my getting excited and upset and all the things and whatever, I grabbed Christine and I said, hey, this is a trouble. What did Psalm 34, 19 say? Right? That a righteous person will experience many troubles, but the Lord will deliver him from them all. So I said, I don't know what the Lord's going to do, but let's just pray. Let's turn this over to him and let's trust him. And so we did. We prayed right there in the kitchen. And I got to tell you, right, there was still water in the garage and, you know, we got to do all that stuff and whatnot. But what happened was like the, the Holy Spirit just squashed the anxiety of that moment to say, hey, Fritz, let's put this in the grand perspective of things, right? It's a little bit of water in your garage. You're going to be okay, right? And so in that moment, right, the Lord did deliver us from that trouble because my tendency was to actually make that trouble bigger than what it actually is and let it ruin all of the ministry that we were able to be a part of later that day, right? God changed your attitudes. The evangelist, uh, Pastor Dwight L. Moody, said this, that the Bible was not given to increase our knowledge, but to change our lives. And so, so important. It's not given to increase our knowledge, but to change our lives. And so invite the Bible to change the way you think about everything. I I, I just, I want to come back to this. Judas saw all the things that Jesus did. Judas heard all of the teachings that Jesus taught, but he still missed the Son of God. And in the same way, it is possible to know the Word of God and yet not know the God of the Word. 
It is totally possible to, to know the word of God and completely miss the God of the word. And I don't want anybody to miss that joy and that privilege. The second thing I encouraged was prayer. And, and this is so, prayer is so critical because prayer is a declaration of faith, but also prayer is a declaration of surrender, right? It's like, God, I need you. God, I want you. God, I'm going to trust you over anything else. I want your will to be accomplished instead of my will to be accomplished. I want your leadership over mine. And if I could tell you, last week we talked a little bit about how you could pray if you wanted to. Um, so I'm not going to walk through that. You can catch that on last week's message if you missed it or refer back to your notes. But the, the, it's a small practical thing that you might incorporate into your own personal time of prayer if you don't do this on the regular already. It's something that I've started doing in my own life for probably about the last nine to, to ten months, and it's been very, very meaningful for me, I would encourage you to do this. At least once a day when you're praying, get on your knees. Literally. Literally. If you're physically able to, just get on your knees and pray to the Lord. There is something about physically humbling my physical position before the Lord that puts my spirit in a position of humility as well. And so I try at least once a day to just, wherever I'm at, sometimes it's at, at, in my office, I'm kneeling on my chair, sometimes it's in the morning at my house, sometimes, like I'll just, I'll just try to stop and I'll kneel and I'll pray before the Lord and it reminds me that Jesus is king, not me, All right? And so surrender takes effort and intentionality. And, and know this, that the more you walk with the Lord, the deeper the surrender goes. And the, and the Holy Spirit keeps touching on areas of our lives where he asks us to hand things over to him. And I really appreciate what one pastor wrote about surrender. He said this, at each stage of spiritual growth, more self-denial is required. More painful blows to self. More reckless decisions to serve the Lord Christ with consequent abandonment to one's own life. More reckless decisions to serve Lord Christ with consequent abandonment to one's own life. Surrender your way to Jesus' way. And so here's something you might try this week. What if you considered beginning every day surrendering to Jesus. What if that's actually how you started your day? That when the alarm goes off, after you curse your alarm, right? You would say, okay, Lord, I'm now ready to surrender my day to you. I want to follow your leadership. I want to use my time the way you want me to use my time because it's really your time anyways. You've redeemed me. I'm your servant, I'm your son, I'm your child, right? Maybe thank God for the new day. Maybe you drop to your knees in that moment and you pray. Maybe you invite the Holy Spirit to use your life for the gospel. But consider surrendering your way to Jesus' way from the very, very beginning. And if that's the next step that you want to consider doing, uh, let me know on your connection card. I would love to know those of you who are taking that step, and I can pray with you. Because i got to tell you, surrendering sometimes, I, I don't want to. 
I'm just being honest with you. Like, there's days that I don't want to surrender to the Lord. And my sin is like just flaring at its, at its strongest. And I actually have to fight against myself sometimes. And you have to know there's going to be times when you don't, you're not going to want to surrender to God. There's going to be times when you want to have your way instead of Jesus' way. And I want to tell you that when, when those moments come, and they will come, when, when you sense that battle, it doesn't mean that you don't love Jesus. It doesn't mean that now you have to go get saved all over again because there's a moment where you want to choose your own way instead of following Jesus' way. In fact, Galatians 5 would say this, if you sense an inner battle battling between your sinful desires and the desires of the Holy Spirit, praise the Lord. That means the Spirit lives in you and you belong to Him. Right? Like that's, that's a sign that God is in you. But what it does mean is that the Holy Spirit has revealed an area of your life that you're still trying to protect. So you have a decision. My way or surrender to Jesus' way. And I wonder what kind of peace do you think you might experience if you chose to surrender to God? What kind of peace is waiting for you? How good would it feel to stop fighting against the God of the universe and just walk in fellowship with him? What would it mean to know that you're walking hand in hand with the heavenly father and he will use you. He will use your life in remarkable ways to help other people to know who he is. He will use your life to accomplish his will on earth as it is in heaven. That's what he does. That's who he is. And so for so many of us, including myself, by the way, it's, it's probably even today, it's time to surrender, right? I mean, what's that one thing that you're hanging on to? That one area where like, God, you, I just, I want to trust you, but I don't want to trust you. God, I want to surrender, but I don't want to surrender. God, I want to be honest, but I don't want to, Right? There's a moment where sometimes you have to fight against yourself and you have, to help, ask, you have to ask the Holy Spirit to help you, to empower you to actually take that step of surrender. And I wonder if you'll trust him in a fresh way today. I want to invite you to bow your heads and to close your eyes. And I want you to ask the same question. We ask it every Sunday, Jesus, what are you saying to me through this message? And I just want you to listen to him for a moment. Holy Spirit, if I'm I'm transparent. I, I am sensing areas you're touching on even in my own life right now. I imagine you are doing the same in many, many people here this morning, many who are joining us online. And I would pray right now that, that you would grant us the insight to know that you are good. The insight to trust you with everything. And would you grant us the courage to put before you this, this thing that we treasure so deeply and we're afraid to surrender over to you. Maybe it's, maybe it's some plan 
Maybe it's an area of finances or power or control or some relationship or, Lord, I, I, it could be anything. It could be good things that, that we're simply just saying, I, I've got to have control on this thing. I've got to have leadership on this thing. And you're asking us to place it in your hands and to trust you as our good, good father. Would you grant us that kind of faith today? At Lighthouse Community, we love to pray with one another and for each other. So let me tell you what's going to happen. The band's going to lead us in one last song. And during this song, there are going to be prayer leaders who are going to be available in each corner of the room. I'm actually going to ask those prayer leaders if they'll start making their way to those locations so people know where you're at and they're ready to come and pray with you. But you can pray about any area of your life at all, any area at all. And, and don't, please, please, please don't be embarrassed. Don't feel ashamed that you want somebody to pray with you, right? Like, we all need prayer, right? Like, I need prayer, and, and, and you do, and, and, and Josh and Deidre, right? They, they need prayer, like all of us. And so if there's anything at all, it can be what we talked about. It can be something different. You can just go to one of those prayer leaders, and they would love to pray with you. And so here's what I want to do. I want to invite everybody here in the house to stand as we prepare to worship the Lord. And as we worship, feel free to come at any time to pray with one of our leaders. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw every single person who needs prayer right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 909 or 1111. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.